0: When the seagulls follow
1: the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea.
2: I will love it if we beat them. Love it.
3: I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday.
2: And you can pair
1: up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner.
2: Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly,
0: yes or no? Yes. Oh, he has to! No!
1: Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's the second correspondence special to get through some of the fantastic correspondence we've had. But once again, 20 minutes into this episode, if you're on the main feed, the episode will end and you'll have to switch to the Quickly Kevin Fan Club to get the full experience, just like the way the BBC covers Wimbledon and they switch from one channel to another. But nevertheless, hello and welcome. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me as always, Josh Whitakham. Hello. And thank you to Mike Butler who says, get your kicks on, Lee dicks on. It's Michael Marden. Hello. I like that. Do you know what? I actually dropped in a Quickly Kevin Easter egg at London Stadium recently. One person on Twitter picked up on it, which was that at halftime we run a competition which is like you've got to tweet in and guess the season and one of the seasons I think it was like it must have been 96, 97 or 95, 96 featured a clip of Robbie Slater scoring a goal and I do a little bit of commentary over it and that's Robbie Slater scored the goal and there we go who remembers these goals famous goal scored here by Robbie Slater see you later and I can reveal I just dropped in see you later one person on Twitter picked up on it
3: one little Easter egg good on them good on them had you planned it all along saying Robbie Slater see you later or did no, it just come to off you? the cuff is it difficult for you now to say Robbie Slater without saying see you later <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue if you bumped into him and, with your wife <laughs> would you be able to say this is Robbie Slater without saying see you later
1: <laughs> do you know what it'd be lovely to have a beer with him and at the end of the night Robbie Slater see you later <laughs> see you later
2: <laughs> although I've read some interviews with him and I wouldn't say it would be lovely to have a beer with him it'd be more like there's Robbie Slater over there see you later
1: <laughs> oh dear. do you want to get into some correspondence right now we've got some great stuff coming through right let's
3: hear the first email
1: i'm jim rosenthal and this is the electronic post bag you've got mail okay thank you to rob flynn from melbourne 37 years old who has sent in this <sighs> We were talking recently about Bolivia having an advantage by playing in La Paz, and it brought back memories. Rob went backpacking in 2009. He decided against going on a track of the Amazon jungle in order to watch Maradona's Argentina with Lionel Messi play against the mighty Bolivia. What he did not expect was a 6-1 hammering handed out to Argentina and huge bootleg DVDs being sold the very next day on the streets. So Rob has been there. He's been to La Paz. He's seen Bolivia dispatch Argentina 6-1 with Messi, with Maradona in the dugout. Again, Wow! Bolivia in La Paz. Does he mention what it felt like to breathe? No, he doesn't, actually. Has anyone been to La Paz? We'd love to know. If you've been to La Paz. What's it like to breathe in La Paz? Can you tell the difference? Walking up the steps into the stadium, are you out of breath? Is it hard work? Do you think those steps are the
3: last bit that really does you? (laughs) you don't want to be in the top tier at the La Paz stadium (laughs) little oxygen canister next to you on that because we discussed this because we were discussing whether Bolivia were the World Cup to be played home and away and stuff Bolivia would have a huge advantage and could coast through to the final if they kept getting drawn at home so I had a controversial discussion with Michael at a wedding on Saturday but we've both well I don't know whether Michael will stick by this now it's public It was when Bayern Munich won the league, joining Man City and PSG and Barcelona as winners of their respective leagues. I think it's time for the European Super League.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What?
2: I think it has to happen. What are you on about? I'd like to say I'm also for it, having discussed it with you. What? What? But it's for reasons that I think will come to make sense in that I think... It's inevitable. We can't stop what's happening to football in terms of kind of state ownership and oil money and the disparity in resources. It's just going to make every domestic league title so boring. Exactly. That's not going to change. Exactly. So what we need to do is then move with the times and go, well, how can we make football at that level? that top, top, top point of the pyramid, how can that become more competitive and interesting? So it's not 10 in a row for Bayern. It's not fucking probably 9 in 10 for Man City because that's just not interesting. So the discussion we had was around going, we don't want the European Super League as a thing. We're not sort of proposing it from football when it was at its best, but we're now in a situation where the money is ruining certain elements of the game. So how can it evolve beyond that? so that there is different stages of a European competition. And over to you, Josh. Do you
3: see that, Chris? Every domestic league is boring at the top level now. Every domestic league is boring. So I'd have a European Super League of 20 teams. It's not fixed. There's a relegation of three teams who go back into the European Championship, which is the second division of European Super League. The European Championship is basically all of the teams that would have qualified for the Champions League, i.e. the winners of the domestic leagues or maybe two from Premier League, etc. And the winners of that, the three go up to the European Super League and three go down to the Championship. So if you are playing in the Premier League, you get promoted to European Championship if you finish in the top three or whatever, top two. You'd have to work out the exact numbers. That makes the Premier League more exciting again. The European Championship, you're in for one year, the top three go up, Everyone else goes back to their domestic leagues. And then you have to qualify for the European Championship again. So to get into the European Super League, you need to do well in your domestic league. And then you have to do really well in the European Championship again to get into the European Super League. And the three that are relegated from the European Super League get a year in the championship. And if they fail, they go back into the domestic league. Every division is thrilling. It would be so good. the top division, all the great teams playing against each other, and they're not winning it every year. So PSG, Bayern, etc, Man City have actually got competition. I can't see how that's worse. Get rid of the Champions League, and there's also a European FA Cup version. So if you're in the European Super League, you do a league and a cup, everything's better.
1: okay. My first bone of contention is that, yes, City have won, what was it, five of the last six seasons. But I remember people saying this about United in the 90s, that it's boring now. United are only ever going to win it. Teams have eras. There are certain teams that have eras. This era will end. Look at the other ones. Look at Germany. I mean, that's the same as the Scottish League, where you've got one team who is, you know. But there's so many leagues like that. Spain is
3: worse than it's ever been by distance.
1: But I think the Premier League has had the most diverse set of
3: winners probably of any major European league. I mean, in the last... That's that's the problem. Yet, the same teams won it five out of six.
1: It's not even that long ago that Leicester won the league here. I actually think the Premier League is a great product because there is a comparative level of... Don't use the word product. Come on now. (laughs) Did I say product? Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, It's a great product. (laughs) What a
2: wanker. (laughs) He's eh? What
1: are you losing by doing this? I do get it because I remember when the Super League was being discussed, I think it would clear out the top six teams. And there's a reasonable argument that West
3: Ham would then be winning the Premier League. But then you have promotion and relegation. West Ham's aim is to get into the European Super League, which is totally doable. It's just a bigger pyramid. The top of the pyramid is a European League rather than the top of the pyramids being these really unbalanced domestic leagues. And then imagine how exciting it is, the three teams that get relegated from the European Super League and the thought that Man you might be spat out into the Premier League once or something. Well, Chelsea this year would have been relegated from the European Super League. They'd be back in the European Championship and they'd have to finish top three, otherwise they'd be in the Premier League next year. It's an incredible format. But are you not going to end up with the same place where City are just winning the European Super League every year? No, because there's more
1: teams of their level. I think as a West Ham fan, we got to the semi-final of the Europa League last year. And actually, that is a result of English teams. We've created this really financially great product. I don't want to say the word product, but it is. You know, West Ham, a kind of second tier English team. English teams are way better than a lot of European teams. And West Ham is proof of that. Why would I want to give that up? Why would I want to give that advantage away?
3: The advantage to make it into a third-tier European Cup final. But
1: like English teams are dominating Europe. We've got the best league in Europe. I think we'd be selling ourselves short. It's to- not about us. It's about the
3: whole thing being better.
1: But this thing that annoys me, Spanish teams weren't saying them. When Spanish teams are dominating Europe, they weren't saying, right, let's do away with our league. All these European clubs are only now going, we need to end the Premier League because it's causing such a disadvantage for them.
3: No, that's not what they're saying. That's why these European
1: clubs are clamoring
2: completely missed our argument. No, no, we're saying for the greater good of the spectacle of yeah. football for the competitiveness of all of those competitions. I would argue the best football in the last five to 10 years has been the knockout stages of the champions league.
3: Yeah, definitely. You
2: want more of that. You want heavyweights punching at their weight class rather than PSG smashing fucking nice eight yeah. nil. And, you know, city just being able to be nine points behind and then winning 50 games in a row and just winning every title. It's about that. It's not about sort of diminishing english football english team status in the game i think if anything it will give teams that are in the championship a chance to sort of come up a level and enjoy that it's just at the highest level at the kind of mike tyson muhammad ali level you want them fighting each other all the time rather than fighting and playing against a load of bums no offense to us now <laughs> you sound like more of a UAFA man than
1: me without that little speech <laughs> You're angling for a job now. I've got the big UA for gigs. <laughs> right, let's go back to the 90s. Well, no, that's it. If you're listening on the main feed, I'm afraid that's your lot in this. No, day. let's
3: give them a 90s letter. We can't end with that, Chris. You can't end with that. No one's going to move across <laughs> after that. It feels like me and Michael are on Talk Sport and we've been yeah. told to have a controversial opinion. Stay tuned for our views on the European Union. Yeah, but I do think everyone at home.
2: If you actually think, what would be the better reality? I think ours would be, and it isn't an exclusive club. It isn't a super league, and then there's no. It's like, hey, everyone has yeah. a chance to get here. It's just more the fact that we don't want to watch in the outside of Italy, the big five European leagues. PSG will win it nine times out of ten. Man City are going to win it seven, yeah. eight times out of ten. Real Madrid or Barcelona will win it almost every single year. It's only Italy that's slightly competitive. I mean, my views on I like English clubs
1: in Europe to do well are established. What are you talking about? (laughs) Why do
3: you care about English clubs in Europe? It's such a weird thing. I see
1: it as an extension of my supporting England in a weird way. That's so bizarre. I'm a UEFA man. I'm a UEFA man through and through. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Right, let's have some 90s football content. Well, actually, this is 80s. Thank you to Michael Hamlin. Oh, for God's sake. He mentions...
3: <laughs> the opposite, when English teams are being thrown out of Europe. If you'd been born five years earlier, Skull, you'd have had nothing to be interested in. Would you have supported Rangers in Europe in the late 80s? Is well, that European Cup 1987. I'm really sure that West Ham
1: would have qualified for the European Cup in the 80s. Was it just when oh, we, we finished third in 86? Would that have qualified us? Who knows? Well, West Ham weren't there in 87. But in the 1987 European Cup, there was totally unseeded. Did you know this, Michael? You aware of this? Being a UEFA man? It was completely unseeded in 87. Right. Which meant that the first round of the European Cup resulted in Real Madrid versus Napoli. A few people sent this in. When you have a look at the other games that were happening, it was nobody's versus nobody's. But you had in the middle of that, Real Madrid versus Napoli... That draw and that specific game meant that UEFA and the television companies realised that the two best teams in the competitions could not meet in the first round. Oh, that's a shame. And then it was costing them money because the big teams were going out early on. And hence, yeah. that draw led to the introduction of the Champions League and the revamp of the European Cup in the 1990s. Yes. Interesting, isn't it? Who won? The UEFA felt the wrong team went out, which I presume
3: means, did Napoli win? it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's thrilling that it was drawn like that it never feels that much of a treat in the FA Cup when two big teams face each other. You know when that's the chosen game by the TV companies? I always think they're missing a trick because Liverpool have played Chelsea a million times. Do you know what I mean? And the best ones are Premier League club goes to tiny ground every time, I'd say. totally. That's a more exciting draw. When two big teams come out together, it's like, oh, but it's when it's, you know, Notts County versus Liverpool. That's what you want, really, isn't it?
1: The only free sign of excitement is that you've got Chelsea, Liverpool, on BBC One. But even that is it's not enough. Two of your favourite European teams. <laughs> you want the completely random club against the bigger club. I don't even mind if that's non-league versus Champions
3: When you watch Chelsea v Liverpool in the FA Cup, Chris, are you worried that they're going to pick up injuries ahead of big Champions League games? Is that your main concern? <laughs> Weirdly, I don't care. When Chelsea and Liverpool play each other, I
1: don't care. But when Liverpool or Chelsea play in Europe, I do find myself wanting them to do well. And that extends to Man United, Michael. I want English teams to do well. I want the rest of Europe to look on enviously at this fantastic Premier League product we've created.
3: (laughs) Right, we'll do more 90s in the second half of this. We've let ourselves down.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are listening on the main feed, I'm sorry we've got to leave you now, but you can get this whole episode, including what happened when Peterborough played Kingstonian in the FA Cup in
3: 1992. And
1: also... Barry Fry's negotiating tactic revealed in a book about Jim Smith's time at Derby. That's coming up. Oh, that's more I'll well And loads more 90s football rhyming slang, specifically around Steve Claridge. All of that good stuff is coming up in the full unedited correspondence episode, which you can get over on the Quickly Kevin Fan Club, along with the Steve Bruce books, all these specials. Next week's episode right now. Why not sign out? Treat yourself. It's the summer. The Quickly Kevin Fan Club is available at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin. Two bonus episodes a month. Plus, all the episodes early, extended, and ad free. Another slice.com forward slash quickly Kevin. If you want to listen to this episode, we'll be over on the fan club. Until then, obviously, later. see you later.
0: Go, Legs! Hit Legs! Uh-huh. Hit Legs over the top!